It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome in, Buckeye Nation. This is your host, Christopher Rennie, bringing you another episode of Buck Off. Uh, I'm here with Jordan Williams, and we've got a lot to talk about today going into week three of the college football season. Ohio State coming off their first regular season loss under Ryan Day. How will they respond against the Tulsa Golden Hurricane? And no, that's not plural. It is an unplural team nickname, and I don't think Ohio State's ever lost to a team with an unplural team nickname so jordan as always you're here with me on the show how you doing today man i'm i'm all right as a fan i'm not doing well but in life you know i'm all right yeah that's kind of where i'm at you know living the living the dream the weekday dream or podcasting for you guys very excited though we're always happy to talk to you guys you know the ohio state fan base uh you know it's it's fun you know because Ohio State doesn't deal with too many regular season losses. So whenever they do, uh, the world is set on fire. Absolutely, the world around Ohio State is different. Uh, it's interesting. You know, I haven't even seen a lot of fan bases coming after Ohio State compared to like some other games when they just play bad. It's been a lot of internal fan base fighting. And I think, honestly, Buck Off is here to put an end to that. Like, I, I don't want to see any more of it. Yeah, but I mean, it's part of the it's, fun. Well, it's it's part of the fun. I think some of the issue is just that everyone's trying to place blame, and like I, some people are just really stupid, <laughs> and some people are in denial as well. So it's like if you're the people who are like trying to like just talk about what happened, like there's people like burning down your mentions. Like I, I've been so ready to like cuss out a million old um, Ohio State football players because they're just acting like there's no problem or they're blaming the players and stuff. So I think it's um, frustrating for people who are trying to like wrap their head around, not only did we lose, but we looked absolutely terrible. What's going on. And then you have people who are like on one extreme versus the other, or just kind of like acting like nothing happened. Yeah. And I think looking at the game, uh, you know, I do the film review, you're working on a couple pieces going over kind of what's going on with the defense and explaining it a little bit more in detail. I I just don't think there is a room for, for the fantasy people, you know, the players who are like blaming the scheme, you know, 
yeah, Deron Lee, you were a super athlete. Of course, some of this stuff was super easy for you. Uh, when it comes down to it, uh, Tommy Eichenberg does not run a four or five. So schematically, That's shocking. schematically, you know, it's on the coaches to put the players in the right positions and forcing a scheme on guys who are young and experienced, you know, that is not the way to make a productive defense. It has never been that way. And the job of the coaching staff needs to be to put the players in better positions. But I do understand their point that at some point the players have to go make plays and it's the give and take. And that's why the whole side of it, it's not just one issue. There is a multitude of issues. There are issues with rotations. There are issues with the play calls and schemes on it. There are issues with players not doing the scheme or doing the scheme too much. And that's why it's so hard because watching my film or reading my film review, you guys know, like there was not, a lot of continuity on the defense, all the checks, all the assignments. It was kind of hard to watch and even decipher what the defense was actually trying to do. And that that's why it's so yeah. hard. Yeah. That, all that sounds like it's one issue to me. Sounds like the issue is coaching. Yeah. So um, it, it's just, I'm going to have a piece that's going to come out before this, but it's one of the things about the defense that they play, like everyone's talking about the scheme one of the things about the defense that they play is it's supposed to be easy. Um, like literally if you Google cover one and cover three, some of the things that they say is like, this is the first defense they teach anyone because it's easy and it doesn't require a lot of things. And Ohio State's making it look impossible. Um, I kind of disagree with the concept that it's easy. Like as a concept, it's easy to execute. It's not easy. Like I disagree with that. And like, I disagree with the fact that like, you don't need players for it, but it should be an easy defense. And the other than like running a four, two, five is supposed to be easy. And like, you'll see, like, if you read my article, you'll understand what I'm saying. And they just make everything look difficult and it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like how they're coaching the checks, what they're coaching to check to, if there are any checks to begin with, because you always see the players pointing, you always see them looking at things. And I don't know how, like Oregon didn't do anything crazy. They didn't do anything different than Minnesota. And they didn't do anything different than Alabama in the run game. Like this is the modern run game. It should not get completely destroyed. Like your defensive integrity with a simple motion across the field. Like, not everything should change with that. And that's kind of where I kept seeing the issue. Because, yes, like, where I started realizing it was a coaching issue was the fourth time they ran the outside play, <laughs> the outside sweep play. And it worked for the fourth time. And the players made these same exact mistakes for the fourth time. Different players. Yeah, different players. Because, what, we saw Ronnie Hickman chase the down block. We saw Lathan Ransom chase the down block. Yep. We saw Zach Harrison jump inside. We saw Tyreek Smith jump inside. We saw all these different issues. We saw uh, Bryson Shaw not fill out to the outside. He followed the tight end too. Why were three people following the tight end? Those are coaching mistakes. There should not be three people doing the same thing in cover one. Because guess what? If that was a pass play, are we going to have all three guys covering the same receiver? Because now it's wide open for a touchdown. Yeah, so... It, it, it really is kind of mind-boggling, and I guess that's kind of what takes us into this conversation we wanted to start with going into Tulsa Week. You know, 
a lot of people are like, oh, don't talk to me about improvements during the Tulsa week. But there are types of improvements we need to see during this game week. And I think it's very obvious the ones we need to see. Uh, and avoiding all the mud, all the talk, all the fighting among press people, whatever, whatever's going on out in the world. What do we need to see from Ohio State that we didn't see last week? Like, what improvements do you think we can see against Tulsa that aren't just because Ohio State's more talented, not because Ohio State has better athletes, but because they did something that was improved upon? Because for me, I already have my answer. I want to hear your stuff. Well, so I have a couple of things. Um, first of all, they need to, again, restrict the rotation. Um, you, that can be seen clearly. And and sure, maybe you're blowing out Tulsa so some other people play. So what I mean restrict the rotation is when it's the second drive in the first quarter, players who shouldn't be out there shouldn't be out there. Like, sure, if they end up playing 40 players on defense because they won 63 to nothing, but when those players come into the game should show you something. Like, Bryson Shaw shouldn't be in the game until it's a fourth quarter blowout. Like, if he's playing, if he's the starting safety, that's an issue. Um, another thing that you want to see is, is here's the thing. The play may not go for a touchdown because the running back may not be as talented, but you'll be able to tell early if Tulsa can get outside of this defense. So if, they're, if they can't set the edge, that's going to be an issue for me. Um, so those are, two, those are, I think, the two uh, that I'm really, really looking for. We could talk about this for three hours, but – the two I'm going to be looking for is do they restrict the rotation, especially in the first quarter when it's um, a quote-unquote close game or where you're not taking your foot off the gas, and can they set the edge? And Because everyone can run sweeps. Like, everyone's going to run some side of outside play because it looks like cheap yards against Ohio State. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point because Tulsa's going to watch the film. They're going to watch what Minnesota did well. They're going to watch what Oregon did well, and they're going to try to emulate that. So that's where it comes into what I want to see this week. And I just want to see basic fundamental football, honestly. At the end of the day, I just want to see Ohio State players going to the right place, uh, going and doing their responsibility correctly. I don't want to see overlapping responsibilities. I don't want to see over-pursuits. I don't want to see players diving down inside. I don't want to see that type of – the simple mistakes we saw that plagued the game against Oregon. The other thing I want to see – is I want to see an attitude from both sides of the ball. I want to see them get physical immediately, and I want to see them bury Tulsa in the first quarter. I want Tulsa to walk out of that huddle starting the second quarter thinking, man, we have three more quarters of just getting beat into the ground. Because Ohio State has the talent to do that. So when you start with basic fundamentals and let the players play, I think we're going to see a lot of, you know, Physical play, and that's kind of what I want to see, is basic fundamental football being played and intense physicality. I want Tulsa to walk off this field thinking, man, we have never played a team. I want these Tulsa players to remember Ohio State for being the most physical football team they've ever played because that is Ohio State's identity. Yeah, I I agree with that. And lastly, kind of just going off of your point, I just want to see effort. Effort. I want to see some like – some some like want to like some like this is the most important play of my life like I want to see some flying around to the ball like literally anyone who's ever played football you know what I'm about to say like what this means it looks like Ohio State's never done pursuit drills yeah like like where you where everyone has to run to the ball full speed 
max effort. And if you don't, you'll be out there doing it for an hour. Like, I just, I really want to see effort and I want to see pride. It doesn't look like the defense has pride. Like, I want to see pride and effort. And I think that shows in the play. Um, I think you'll see it. If they have it, if it's there, I think you'll see it. Yeah. And it, it's something that pops off the screen. It's not something like, I know there were some mistakes in the Clemson game, but there was so much personal business in winning that game that you saw the defense playing with just this heart. And I know it's Tulsa. Everyone in the world knows it's Tulsa, but you just got embarrassed on national TV. And I'm going to say embarrassed because they did. There were plays where they looked stupid, period. Like the defense was in terrible position. The offense, uh, you know, didn't get to their blocking assignments. And, you know, the one way you could fix both of those is playing hard, playing fast, playing physical. And if you make a mistake, this is what coaches always said. You know, I don't like they care if you make a mistake, but if you make the mistake 100% with 100% effort, playing with your hair on fire, there's a chance you make up for it. Yeah. And the other thing, though, and this is another issue I have with the coaching, because while I do think most of this is coaching and a lot of it is scheme, um, one thing that one of the Ohio State, former Ohio State players said, uh, there was a there was a clip of someone making a mistake and they're like, Fickle would have taken us out the game and we wouldn't have played again. Yeah. Like there's no like when it's not a scheme issue and when the player is just not playing well, there's no recourse for that. There's no punishment for that. Like if you're not CJ Stroud, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, or well, honestly, maybe if you're not CJ Stroud, because you don't want to do that with quarterback, but if you're not if if you're anyone else and you are not doing what you're supposed to do, you should have to sit. Whether it's a series, whether it's the rest of the game, like you're being rewarded for what? Yeah. Like, it's football. Like, if you're not doing it, go sit down. Yeah, playtime's a reward for doing stuff right. And then it's like, I don't want them to go out and badmouth players on national TV, but don't tell us that you're – don't tell us the player's a good leader or don't tell us, like, the player's doing well when they're not. Like, Cam Babb is a good leader, obviously. He became a captain, but he's not on the field. Yeah. Uh, if Bryson Shaw is a good leader, let him lead on the sideline. Yeah. Like, and I know, like – People hate when players get name dropped. Like our job is not to coddle Ohio State football players. Our job is to tell you how it is. And when I look at the eleven guys who started, uh, I didn't see eleven guys who deserved it. I saw eleven no. guys who were out there, uh, but I saw JTT scrape down the line, make big plays. I saw young guys coming off the bench. Denzel Burke, he wasn't perfect, but you know what I could say about Denzel Burke that I can't say about the other ten starters. That dude plays extremely hard every single and he day played with pride played with tons of pride that guy is not losing one-on-one battles and it starts with him it doesn't start with like like yeah he'll put him in they'll put him in cover one you know what he's going after it all day like denzel burke plays like you just called his like you just uh called his mama out her name like and you can see it like he plays with effort he plays with energy like it like he's he's personally offended that you think you can get open on him yeah and and sometimes you do he's not the perfect player and you get open like i mean there are people who've caught touchdowns on Deion sanders it's a part of the position but he like he is one of the few players that looks like they're playing with pride and like they actually want to be out there and if you make mistakes make mistakes at a hundred percent yeah, and that is exactly what. And I, I hate how it's a true freshman who's leading the attitude on this team. I, I think everyone needs to follow suit. That's why it's a huge thing I want to see during this game. Like, attitude, effort, and execution on the simple plays. You know, and then 
I don't want to see a thousand checks at the line of scrimmage on the defense. I don't. I, I want to see them line up and play football. Because that's, that's all you need to do when you have the talent at Ohio State. And then you know what you can do once your defense is really good at the basic stuff? You can start adding different nuances to it. But here's the thing. Defense should be easy. Like, this is not – like, I'm sorry. This is not the NFL. Yeah, it's not. And like, it's not. Coombs is bringing a you lot of the complex stuff you can do when you have elite linebackers, when you have elite safeties, when you have elite every position, you know. And it's just not that. And here's the thing. If anyone who actually pays attention to the NFL, the best defense in the NFL are the defenses that got simple. Because the offenses were so advanced, they didn't have time to make all the checks and stuff like yeah. that, and they were getting torched. Like, the most popular defense right now, well, the best defense and soon to be the most popular defense is the Rick Fangio, Brian, um, Brian Staley? Brad Staley, something Staley defense, and literally they just play zone. Yeah. They play zone. They Like, that's how, like, that's how Jordan Fuller is a starting, is a team captain for the Rams. Because... They just let him play, and he's smart. They let him sit in zone where he excels. If he were to play in, like, a different type of defense, he might not see the field because he's a great player, but we saw there's some limitations athletic. He runs a 4-7, whatever. But when you're just sitting out there and you're playing your best players and you're playing smart and you're playing sound and you're playing discipline, Jordan Fuller's perfect for that. And if that's what they're doing in the NFL to succeed, why are you in college with a million checks and, like, you're just confusing your own players. Yeah, and I think there's a difference. You know, when you play simple, you can play fast. And, yes, Jordan Fuller is like a high 4-6 guy. He's a 4-6-8, 4-7-1 type guy. But the difference is he plays really fast because he knows what he he's knows doing. what's happening. And he knows the defense. And that's exactly what we need to see this week. And, you know, I, I'm just – I'm excited because uh, – this the season's not over, and I think we need to go far from far, it. It's week two. Ohio State dropped to nine in the AP poll. There's a lot of teams in front of Ohio State that have to play each other. We have to play. And nine surprised me. Yeah, and I thought it was going to be worse. Yeah, same. I, I was thinking in that nine to like thirteen range is where Ohio State was going to fall. Uh, but I guess they just. I mean, they moved Oregon up to I believe four, so they really respected Oregon in that game. Yeah. So. Which is helpful. And Oregon should, you know, Oregon should relatively be successful. Be yeah. At least 11 and one. Yeah. I don't see them dropping too many games. Uh, I don't see mm-hmm. their season falling off. If they could lose their best pass rusher and their second best linebacker and still put out a defense like that. Yeah. So everything is everything's still in front of them, which is important. And here's the other thing. Like, I know we've been doom and gloom for 17 minutes, but – what Big Ten team is going to be Ohio State? Yeah, I like I don't see the best Big Ten team doesn't have an offense, and as good as as bad as Ohio State's defense is, I don't. I just don't think Iowa can put up. Like it still took Oregon thirty five points to beat Ohio State, yeah. and I don't know if Iowa can put up thirty five points again against anybody. That's true, and you know I'm looking at the schedule. Like Ohio State has ranked games. Uh, you know their rivals getting better. That team up north looks better, so they're going to be a ranked game when they get there. There's tons of data points they could add to the season. I, I think something else you have to look to look at is the next four weeks are Tulsa, Akron, Rutgers, and Maryland. Like those are four games where you could really improve upon yourself as a team. Yeah, the only the only game that is like like at any point 
feasible that they could lose is Maryland. And that's just because Maryland has a good offense, and if they don't get the defense together, it could be a shootout, and anything can happen in a shootout. True. But I, I mean, we, we've seen that a couple of years ago against Maryland. And we were a missed pass on a wide open wide receiver in the end zone on a two point conversion away from losing that football game. So, so. It, it, it's it's college football. Anything's possible. Uh, to the people thinking Ohio State's going to go seven and five, stop it. To the people who think uh, this is just going to get fixed, stop it. Like it doesn't. This isn't stuff that works itself out. Like we heard it from Ryan Damself. But this conversation is the one where I kind of got lost during the week. And you know, I'll be the first to tell you that C.J. Stroud threw for a lot of yards, but he wasn't perfect. We all know that. Uh, he's the guy. Like, I don't want to see anything. I don't want to see anyone saying he's not. Like, some of the throws he delivered during the game were absolutely absurd. Yes, he missed a few. But he's got the arm talent. He's got it. And I just think, you know, as a second time uh, in his second start, like, yeah, he was a little indecisive. But what do you expect from the kid? He's 19. Against a good Against defense. a really good Like, defense. I think I say this all the time. I like I, I say this mainly about LeBron. Um, when you talk, when you, uh, when you talk so negatively on a team for losing to where you make it unfathomable that they could have lost, you disrespect the team that beat you. And so like, there are some things that happened in the game that just happened because Oregon was good. Like Oregon has a corner who is a legitimate first round pick. Michael Wright. And yeah, he got beat a couple of times by uh, Chris Olave because everyone does, but he's legitimate. Like, so some of those things with Stroud were because they had a good pass rush and because they confused him on the back end or there were not a lot of open wide receivers. I don't know if we talked about it on the recap or like me and you were just talking about it, but Stroud threw a perfect pass to Jeremy Rudgett yep. that 99 out of 100 times Jeremy Rudgett catches. And he did catch it. You know why it was dropped? Because the defender played absolutely, absolutely perfect. perfect defense, went straight through the ball Timed before it he could perfectly. touch it. Like that is a, like they're on scholarship too. So yeah. yes, Stroud is the guy. And Stroud delivered like three or four of those seam balls that take this touch over the linebacker and this velocity to get it in there before the safety can make a play on it that you can't teach. Like the confidence to make no. that throw is like high level let alone like actually being yeah. able to physically make the throw. And he had one get dropped by Cade Stover. He had one get broken up with Jeremy Rucker. Which and then, throwing the Cade Stover is like, come and, on now. That's, exactly, yeah, and, <laughs> that's another coaching thing. Why is Cade Stover running that round? And I, he almost caught it. And, you know, you got it. It's tough because he's still a young player. Like this is – he switched positions. So, like, you got to get him out there. And I think later in the season it's something he'll get better at and he'll continue to prove upon – but you're right. Like the one right before the half, he threw his best throw of the day, right to get him into that like 35 yard line with one second left before he threw the check down to Williams that kind of blew everybody's mind. Yeah. Uh, he threw like his best throw of the day was to Jeremy Rucker there. And yeah, and that's and I know it's like sacrilegious to touch talk bad about Justin Fields, and I would never. But there, everyone talks about Justin Fields didn't do full field reads, which is not entirely true. But in his second game, I'm like watching it live. I didn't even have to watch it on film. C.J. Stroud literally does a full field read from he reads four different wide receivers 
and comes all the way to the backside and hits, I think, Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson on an in route. And it was very clear. Like, you just see it. Like, yeah. he just works. First one's not open. Second one's not open. Checkdown's not open. Goes all the way around. And it's like, he's a, he's a, this is his second game ever. And he's making full, full field reads and making them fast enough to get, like, throw a good pass to an open receiver. Like, come on yeah. now. And you're telling me he's not the guy. And I'm honestly kind of scared for Tulsa this, this week from that standpoint. I, I think Stroud, I think Stroud's hearing some noise. I, I think anytime, you know, you start talking like, hey, do we need a quarterback change? Like, I, I know Kyle McCord's a talented quarterback. I know Quinn Ewers is waiting in the wings. You know, I know those guys are there, but I'm just letting you know what Stroud was doing was high-level quarterbacking. Like, outside of his pick and his weird two overthrows at the start of the game, like, he was pretty close to, I'm not going to say perfect, but, like, an elite level. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely an elite level. And honestly, like, the pick is one of the few th- issues that I have with him. And But here's the thing. Justin Fields had the same exact issue. It's just Justin Fields is faster than everybody. Yeah. They just take too long to because – and it's a competitive thing. They want to hit the big play. They don't want to run, and so they stretch it out for a little too long to see if a wide receiver gets open. And I understand it, especially when you have two of the best wide receivers in the country. The difference is Stroud is not fast enough to do that and then still pick up five yards where Fields was. So I just need Stroud to be a little bit more decisive. If it's not there, run, throw it, run or throw it away. Like you just can't stretch it out too far, too long because then you're just getting half a yard, or like you're riffing getting hit on you know the sideline, and then the ref has to make a decision of were you out of bounds yet or not. Yeah, and and a lot of times they'll lean to the quarterback, but like. You just don't want to take that hit. Yeah, and I think, honestly, that kind of changed his mindset once he took that hit and got knocked 15 yards out of bounds because he got hit pretty hard. Yeah. And I'm just going to let you know, I remember my first varsity start when I was at receiver and I got hit pretty hard. Uh, it's not the same. I did not get hit by a Division One linebacker, but it starts making you think a little bit more. It starts making you think, man, maybe I shouldn't run this football. And that little second of indecisiveness is all the difference it takes to blow up a play. Yeah, and it's small things, and that's the stuff he's going to get better at as he goes. But because again, it's his second. Start. And I think, it, it, I mean, God, that's why I hate when Ohio State loses in the regular season because then it gets into that whole scorched earth thing. Everyone needs to get fired. Everyone needs to get get, and everything needs to change. And you know, in in some cases, we be and Jordan were for sure on the bandwagon. I think as the week's gone, I've progressed a little bit to a more reasonable place. Like Coombs is going to finish nope. out the year. Uh, will he be on staff next year? Probably not. I haven't progressed to a reasonable place. I've, I've progressed to a place of acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that, that takes us into this nice little smooth transition here to Ryan day's press conference. All right. Uh, the man himself, said uh, they were evaluating everything on the defensive side of the ball. And when asked if Kerry Coombs would be calling the plays, he said he wasn't going to get into that and into specifics. So without saying anything at all, I think he said everything. And Ryan Day is extremely unhappy with the defensive coaching staff and their performance this far into the season. Because, yes, you know, one thing I, I noticed him saying, and this was something early on in the press conference when was he was asked about the defense, was, 
you know, through the first year during the, the COVID season, yes, there's some leniency there because you're not with the players like you should be. You're not training them every day. But now it's becoming a pattern. The same mistakes are being made over and over again. And that's where we see this issue with the coaching staff and where Ryan Day is unhappy because you don't see the same mistakes getting made on offense two times. You never do. Mm-mm. On defense, you see them get made over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, we talked about, um, you know, there was people, there was tweets and stuff like that, how there were like three or four drops in the first quarter or something like that, which just doesn't happen at Ohio State. I don't think there was another drop the rest of the game. Yeah. It got fixed. Like, it got, like, the offensive things get fixed. And I, I would bet that <clears> – <throat> I would bet that next week or the rest of the season, I would bet they don't get stopped that much on fourth down. Like Ryan Day figured, like he saw what worked. And even the fourth down plays, while I wasn't the biggest fan of all of them, they were all different. Like he didn't say, oh, we got stopped by, Mayan Williams got stopped. Next fourth down, I'm going to run the same exact play. Like he tried different things and just unfortunately they didn't work. I don't think he called the right plays, but they didn't make the same mistake twice. Yeah. It just didn't work. And one of the fourth down plays ended up being that Jackson Smith and Jigba touchdown. And then the other fourth down play was a nice run with Travion Henderson. That was a very similar scheme to the Mayan Williams when they got stopped. So it's not like he stopped trusting himself as a play caller, but the first three, you know, when you game plan against Ohio state on those plays, historically, what's Ohio state going to do? They're going to run an inside zone on fourth and one because they're so used to being able to move everybody out the ball that they can get it. They're going to run a mesh concept because they're so used to their receivers being able to out athlete everybody on the other side that they can get it. And then the fourth one in the end zone, I didn't think they should pass there because that was fourth and maybe six inches. I think that's where you got to either get a quarterback sneak involved, get your tight end inside a little bit more and get them as a, get a Mitch Rossi in the game and let him move someone out of the way. Uh, Just get a yard. You know, I mean, I, I literally, I would have stole Oregon's play. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State has a play like that. It's a yard. Nobody's catching Travion. Not Henderson to the outside. I, I know their linebackers are fast, and it may not break, but like a yard, not a chance. You could get you, that. You just have him. Expect- you have your one receiver on the outside block the corner, and then you have Travion Henderson race everybody to that corner. Or the one thing, like we have, like I'm not the biggest fan of this, but it's worked. In the first game, they could have done that little. Uh, they could have just ran the play that Trevion Henderson scored a touchdown, yeah, a little, or the or the RPO bubble screen because they were getting five yards every, every time. single time they ran that play. And, and I hate that's that because play I don't like throwing behind the line of scrimmage. That's because the respect they're putting on the receivers outside. They don't want to get beat deep. Yeah, so they're giving them a ton they of. They could cushion. have gotten a yard. <laughs> Easy, and I think one more thing is, and I, we talked about this a lot during the week, is like if you're gonna use the run game in obvious run situations, you have to be a little bit more because the run game requires a lot more rhythm for offensive linemen than the pass game. You can sit in pass protection all day and that kind of gets your linemen's aggressiveness away. You know, they stop getting on top of their guy and they start letting the guy come to them and that starts taking effect in the run game. So you need to keep the foot on the gas with the run game. And I think Williams did fine. I think Travion Henderson did fine. I don't know why this wasn't a game where they got 35, 40 carries combined. And that was kind of a little mind-boggling to me. And I know they were playing from behind, but the lead was never 
insurmountable. You know, it was at most 14 points. So that is two series like that. You still have the run game very alive in that situation. Yeah, I think um, I wish that I could find the quote, but he he kind of says it a little bit that just like I, he that basically that he was pressing um, on some of those ones and he got away from the run. And with some of the fourth downs, he said like he maybe could have punted to play the field position game and stuff like that. I think sometimes, especially this is a problem that like quote unquote offensive genius have a lot like this happens. This happens to um, the Rams coach McVay and the NFL too. You, you think too hard and you try to out scheme things and, and you, you always think that you have to get this play. It's just like they teach the quarterback. Sometimes you got to live the fight another play. Coaches forget that sometimes too. Yeah. And so I think at some instances, Ryan, they just got too cute and, and just like didn't call the, the bread and butter, tried to do something. And sometimes it works. Like some, like that in Minnesota when they went for it on fourth down and it was like fourth and two and they threw the ball like 15 yards down the field. Like that was a ballsy play. Mm-hmm. And so like, you just have to find that balance of like, let's go for broke or like, let me just get this. Let me just get this yard. Like, Yeah, for sure. And I, I think when you really kind of take into what Ryan did, I think he's as disappointed himself as we kind of were at going away from that. So I think we're going to see a different Ohio state this week, especially on the offensive side, even though the yardage totals were good. I think we're going to see a team that really uh, dominates physically. And that's what I want to see. I think that's what Ohio State's identity needs to be. It's what won Ohio State National Championship. It's what got Ohio State to a national championship, that 300-yard rushing game against Northwestern. Like, you know, sometimes that's what works. And I, I think getting the run game established makes the linebackers have to hesitate a little bit more. They have to think about it. Because once you start throwing in that play-action pass, once the run game's established, guess what? That opens up the run game more. Because the linebackers can't just be like, hey, this play-action pass just totally got us. They can't just key on the run anymore. And then lastly, this is one thing I need to see in the run game a little bit more. And I know you don't want to put your starting quarterback at risk, but we need to, at least on third and one, make C.J. Stroud a run threat. I I agree with that. I just don't care about it because Ryan Day doesn't do he it. He doesn't. Like, he just doesn't. Like, Justin Fields runs a freaking 4-3, and Ryan Day didn't run him. Yeah. Like, it's not in his offense. It's just not. And a part of it is he's an NFL guy, and nobody in the NFL runs their quarterback unless it's, like, Lamar Jackson or it's, like, Ryan Tannehill, and you're just like, Ryan Tannehill. First of all, Ryan Tannehill is huge. So it's like he can take the hit. And he's a, Ryan Day like, does he's not, a good athlete, too. Yeah, like, he just doesn't run the quarterback. So, like, in theory, I get it, but I – because it's never been a part of his offense, I just think like if my thing is like if you're not gonna do it, be better. Yeah, like just be better and, and don't be as predictable. And, I'll never call for it because it's just, it, he just doesn't do it, and I don't care if, if you're not gonna do it. I don't care. I I like old school football. I believe you should be at Ohio State. You should be good enough to tell the team across from you we're running dive up the middle and you can't stop it. So if you're not gonna run the quarterback, then be that good and get the yard. Otherwise, get off your high horse and, like you're saying, run the quarterback. Yeah, and I think what I kind of want, the reason, there's this other reason I kind of want it is because, like, when a quarterback runs for a first down, it kind of gets their confidence raised a little bit. Like, hey, I'm out here. I'm as athletic as these guys. Let's make some plays, you know. 
And that's kind of where I see like if if CJ Stroud can get that easy third and one on a quick read and just get out, get the five yards he wants and then slide, that's big for confidence. And I know it's not part of Ryan Day's offense, but it's just one thing that you can do to help get your young quarterback confidence. Yeah, I I, I agree with it. I agree with everything you're saying. It's just, just hard to see it coming. Yeah. Personally, it's just, he just doesn't do yeah. it. And I, just, I wish people, like, if you're listening to this podcast, please hear me out. Ryan Day has been here for five years, I think, as a coordinator and as um, a head coach. He does not run the quarterback. Unless it's if JT he didn't there. run Justin Fields, he wasn't here for JT. Yeah, he was his last year. And he, oh, well, JT can't go. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, he was here for – so has he been here for six years? Or was JT five years so, ago? It was, JT, he was there for 2017. He was the guy who took over after the staff got fired. And okay, then so he was there for Haskins. Haskins. That was his last coordinator year, and he coached the couple games. Then he took over with Fields for two years. Which is 1920. So this is his fifth yeah. year. Jesus Christ, JT was only four years ago? Yeah, it's been a roller coaster. Long time. JT was there forever. Yeah. That feels, JT feels like six years ago. JT was there for a fifth of our life, man. Oh my God, that's so crazy. Like JT's last year was literally four years ago. Yeah. If Wait, does that mean the fourth and one against Michigan was four years ago? Uh, or was that not his last year? I don't think that was his last year. I think that was the year before his last okay. year. But yeah, are you sure? Because I don't think we blew out Michigan JT's last year. I think that blowout, that sixty-three to twenty-seven, was Haskins. Dwayne yeah, Haskins you're right. Year. Nope, it was his last year then. Wow. Yeah. No, 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 it wasn't. No, it wasn't. No. No. Yeah. Twenty sixteen right. was, was the, because twenty seventeen was JT's last and year. And Haskins he didn't play came in, in and yeah, made the big play. because he was injured. Yeah, he had the ankle injury. Yeah. Okay. All right, we figured out the That's timeline. So okay. This is the Ohio State cinematic universe there. But we're back on track. Chronological um, order matters. Release order matters. The, the biggest part of this press conference, though, was his unwillingness to commit to anything Kerry Coombs, his unwillingness to commit to anything defensively or say anything defensively. Uh, when asked about any changes to the scheme, he said, we're not going to talk about it. When asked about uh, who's going to be calling the plays for the defense, he said, we're not going to get into any specifics. And when he asked, when asked what he thought about Kerry Coombs and how he's doing. Uh, let me find it real quick. Uh, I've got it pulled up here. It is not what we expect here. It's not our expectation. So mm. that is a lot of, of there's not a lot of context in those words, but there's a lot of context surrounding those words because a coach is never going. I mean, listen to the conversations about him after the Minnesota game. Listen to the conversations about after the Alabama game. There were excuses for Kerry during those games. After this one, the excuses are gone. Kerry Coons yeah, is no. on the shortest of leashes at this point. And I just want everyone to know, like, I'm grateful for what Kerry Coons has done for Ohio State's football program. Not as a defensive coordinator, but as a person and as a coach. He's been great. As a recruiter, been great. But he gets paid a lot of money to make sure this defense is good to make sure this defense is effective. And he is not living up to the expectations, which is exactly what Ryan Day said. It's not the expectation. And I just don't see him calling the plays against Tulsa. I don't see him calling the plays much this year. Yeah, no. Um, And I think sometimes this is why I hate, like, I'm going to use this term because that's where you hear it the most. 
I hate the Michigan man mantra. I hate that you have to hire someone that went, played, or did something for your school. And the reason is, is everyone remembers what they used to do. And everyone likes them. And, it, and it's hard to make the tough decisions. I don't think it's going to be as hard on Ryan Day because he did, he wasn't here with Coombs. But, like, everyone's looking at Coombs, including former players. And I'm going to keep bringing this up because they, they frustrated me the most. And they look at what he used to do. And they look at him as a person. And I mentioned this on the Recap Podcast I hate coach firings. Like I do because I know how it affects coaches and their families. But also at the end of the day, you get like the the cheapest coach on Ohio State staff makes half a million dollars. Like you will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> like Kerry Coombs makes a million or whatever dollars. He will be fine. It's not about what he did years ago. It's not about how he made Denzel Ward and all these players NFL first round picks. And it's not how he had corners winning defensive rookie of the year. Like none of that mattered. It's not the fact that he drinks seven million ounces of coffee in the morning and always has a smile. He doesn't have a smile on the on the on the sidelines because he's not good at his job and it's stressing him out. He's not good. And Ohio State has a standard and the standard is not be nice to people because they make you happy. It's win. Yeah. And he's not helping win so he can't be there. We use this comparison a lot because, I mean, it's the one team we're chasing. And now we're chasing Oregon because they beat us. But Alabama does not care really about your past. They brought in Butch Jones as an analyst. They brought in Lane Kiffin, a guy who was going through the most public scrutiny ever to be their offensive coordinator. They brought in Steve Sarkeesian after all of his uh, fallouts with Washington and USC. You know, you just look at the list of coaches they had. Bill O'Brien was the worst general manager ever in the NFL, in the history of it. <laughs> and they're like, hey, this guy is an offensive genius. He knows how to coach quarterbacks. We're going to see what he's doing. He brought him in right after they lost arguably their best offensive coordinator of the decade. And I think this offense looks better than the offense from last year. And that's kind of scary because I think Bryce Young is a better quarterback than Mac Jones. And he's a freshman. That team's only going to get better. Yeah. And – it's the differences. And I don't know, Nick Saban's older. He's 65 years old, 70 years old almost. And he is, he has the cash. That's what you always say. He has the cash to bring in these coaches. He's shown that, hey, you come here, your image is going to get fixed. And he has probably the deepest Rolodex of any coach in college football because of his experience at the NFL level, because of how many places he's been in college. And because of all the people he's helped get better jobs that – He'll find he has connections everywhere because of what he's done. Yeah. And I was actually going to say, I low-key disagree with that last point because of how long he's been in Alabama. I don't think he has the connections he used to have. I just think he's freaking Nick Saban. Yeah. And so if he says, give me that guy's phone number, he's going to come. Nick Saban was in like, when was the last time he was in the NFL? But it's just Nick Saban. And like, I get that Ryan Day doesn't have the cachet that Saban has, but he should have the connections because he was in the NFL not that long ago. And he should know all of these up-and-coming coaches. He should know the like these Brian Staley's and whoever, these the young coaches who are just now getting head coaching jobs. He should know all of them because he was just in the NFL. He should have all the connections. Um and I, and I just feel like and, – and I don't want to entirely be Saban because there are some coaches that he hired that I wouldn't want – at Ohio State, like there's a, a level of pride I take in Ohio State, like having a heart or like having like standards sometimes. But like if you didn't kill a kid, if you didn't like 
turn a blind eye to like sexual assault and like rape scandals and like any of like the actual like really really just like terrible things please hire them like um bill o'brien well we don't know if he turned an eye to Deshaun Watson, so don't let me say that. But if he didn't know anything about Deshaun Watson and he just wasn't a good GM, why couldn't Ohio State have brought him? Yeah. Like, that's the only thing I'll say about the saving thing. There's a couple of players, there's a couple of people where it's like... Uh, but he's also, that's the difference. When you are Nick Saban, you can bring in those guys. And that... Yeah, because what are they gonna who's going to say yeah. something to you? <laughs> he's the highest paid yeah. uh, government employee in Alabama. So... It's at the end of the day, he can do what he wants. Like he is the, he's in charge of that state, whatever anyone says. So, uh, but yeah, the point of this is Ryan day at the end of the year, we're going to find out who he is. And a lot of people are like, why don't they just make Paul Rhodes the defensive coordinator? He knows everything. It was like, Paul Rhodes isn't allowed to talk to players. It wouldn't be fair to Paul, Rhodes, which is exactly what Ryan day said. So it, the change isn't happening during the season. We will see some reshuffling probably among the roles in the staff. I think uh, the one thing that was interesting about day, because day is not a guy who wants to be involved with the defense. He is not a defensive guy. Mm -hmm. He hired, that's why he, he said it himself. He hired people to do jobs and they're not doing them well. And guess what that means? He has to go help them. And you know what Ryan day is going to do. And uh, my friend asked me this question. I was like, what's Ryan day going to do to help the defense? He's going to go tell them everything he do to absolutely destroy them. And he's gonna yeah, be like that's <laughs> that that's the thing that's so funny to me is like people are like he's an offensive coach, he doesn't know anything. No, no, no. He's a good offensive coach because he understands defense. Yeah. Like he's gonna go um, say, like, he, hey, you see that what he did there? I would do that a hundred times too, because you guys are idiots. Yeah. And he's going to absolutely just eviscerate them. Any good coach. <clears throat> excuse me, any good coach can coach anywhere on the yeah. field. Did you see the picture of Oregon's offensive line coach? Yeah. He looks like he's like 5'6". He's never played offensive line before. If you're a good coach, and like to even claim you're an offensive or defensive savant, it's because you understand offense better than anyone else. You can go into that offensive meeting room or that defensive meeting room, vice versa, tell them what they're doing, tell them why they're doing it, how they're doing it, and tell them what they're doing wrong. You can't be good at offense if you don't understand the other side. So he's going to go in there and do exactly that. Like you said, he's going to tell them, this is why it worked, because this is not a good idea. This is terrible. He's not good. He's not good. He's not good. He's not good. Because he's able to do that. Yeah, and that's exactly what – and he just doesn't want to take the time because, like you said, he pays these – he's the one who put them on staff. He's the one who helped negotiate these salaries. He's like, hey, we're going to give you this money to do this job. I'm an offensive coach. I want to focus on my quarterbacks. I want to focus on my receivers, my offensive line. Kerry, you got to pick up your slack. And that's what he's saying. And he said, now I have to do yeah. your job for you too? That is not what I hired you for. And if this doesn't change, you won't even be our defensive backs coach when this whole staff reshuffle happens. Yeah, and and here's the um, here's the thing that people aren't aren't thinking about with Ryan Day. Ryan Day has said multiple times. He said he does not want to move his family across the country. They literally talked about it because uh, Chip Kelly is his mentor, and he, there's an interview out that talks about how. Um, Ryan Day should have been the head coach at Oregon because instead of Helfrich, because uh, he was Chip Kelly's first call. 
as offensive coordinator. And Oregon has always hired their offensive coordinator to be the head coach for like the last four or five coaches. And literally Dave was talking about how like he saw that and was like, man, that could have been me. I turned down that job because I didn't want to move my family to Oregon. I say all of this to say Ryan Day doesn't want to lose this job. The Athletic, if anyone has it, just ranked jobs in America. And everyone has Ohio State as a number one or like a top three job in America. He doesn't want to lose this job, no. which means he's going to fire whoever he has to fire so he doesn't get fired. Because that's the thing. The buck stops is him. If he brings Kerry Coombs and these staff back and they're underperforming and we have another year like this, you think um, – Gene is just going to be like, sure, Ryan, you can stay. Like, again, he doesn't have that cachet. He's not Urban Meyer. Yeah. And I still think, like, as much as Urban, quote, unquote, retired, I think a little of that was Gene, like, hey, man. We got this young guy it's about time for Let's see what we can do. It's about time. So Ryan Day is going to do what he has to do because he doesn't want to get fired. But, yeah, I mean, it's exactly – that's exactly what it is. Like, his job is – it's a great job. Ever, like, like People grow up dreaming about coaching at schools like Ohio State. There's only four or five jobs like it. I mean, everyone talks about Luke Fickle. There's only, like, two jobs in the country Luke Fickle is going to take, and it's Ohio State and it's Notre Dame. And Which I don't know why everyone says he's going to take Notre Dame. Is he Catholic? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, it, why is Notre Dame so high for him? His kids are both at, I, I think, St. Xavier. He's Catholic for sure. Uh, okay, that makes sense. Then. But he's also, I mean, I th- I'm pretty sure uh, he grew up in Ohio State fan. He played at Ohio State. So I, I think it's just kind of just the Midwest aspect of it, too. The biggest the, the biggest school in the Midwest. Yeah, kind and of it's thing. the only one Ohio that State. probably rivals Ohio State's brand in his mind where it'd be. Like, yeah, acceptable. that's fair. Uh, but that's fair. I, I don't, I mean... I mean, he'd probably be the next call if Ryan Day ever did get out of there, though. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter where he's at because he's not taking the USC he's job. Not. And we're not going to talk about that today because I just really don't care <laughs> enough about USC anymore uh, because UCLA is no. the supreme school in the in the Pac-12 right now. So uh, they run LA in those sissy blue shirts. And, you know, I, I, I just kind of want to close out this press conferences. Uh, the defense is on watch. Like this is it this is, is going to be the shortest leash we've ever seen. The leash is already yeah, they took the leash off. The it, he's out. He's going to the kennel. Uh, yeah. So I think I think you know how I feel, but I just want to ask just to hear your prediction. What do you think happens? Do you think you've already said you don't think Kerry Coombs is um, calling plays? What do you? How do you think the staff the staff restructure goes? Uh, does he get demoted? Who do you think calls plays? Does anyone else move around? Like, what do you envision is going to happen? So the the play calling aspect's hard because uh, we we talked about it a lot throughout the week. Uh, there's no play caller on the defense. You know, uh, I do think I don't think there's going to be any promotions or demotions, but I do think. Kerry Coombs is not going to have the full overlook of the defense anymore. I think he's going to be shifted more to that Halfley role where he's in charge of the defensive backs and the back seven, you know, with the linebackers included. And I think Larry Johnson and Al Washington are probably going to focus exclusively on the front seven as they should, but the responsibility isn't going to be on Coombs anymore. He's not going to touch them. You know what I'm saying? So he's not going to have his hands and his fingerprints on the front seven anymore. I agree. That's actually uh, we 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 didn't we talked about the press conference, but we didn't mention this. Is that Ryan Day said that part of the issue because they were a really good run defense last year? Is that part of the issue is they did so much to fix the pass defense that it affected the run yeah. defense? So 
honestly, I could see them just reverting back to last year, which may mean, and I think their pass defense will be better because we've seen Ryan Burke is really good and hopefully they start to get healthy and that kind of stuff. So I think the pass defense will just be a little bit better. But I think they'll just make it simple. The one thing that I'll say is because at his heart, Ryan Day does still want to reward his guys, which is why um, as much as – I've already said I don't think it was a good idea. He promoted from within. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he gives out the – I think he says to Al Washington, like, hey, this is your shot. Your team, your, your, your linebackers have underperformed, right? You're not on the hottest – you're not on the coldest of seats either. Your seat's a little warm. But if you want to be a defensive coordinator, this is your shot. Earn the job. Yeah. And if you don't do it – but it's the only thing that makes right. sense. I think he gives it to Al Washington and lets him earn the job. I've got this question for we'll you, try. too. Uh, this is kind of a conversation that I saw happening on Twitter before I got on the show. Larry Johnson's an on-field coach, so he could manage his rotations with the defense alignment. Al Washington's an on-field coach, so he could manage his rotations with the linebackers. And Kerry Coombs is an on-field coach, and those are probably the three highest-ranking coaches on the defensive side of the ball. We don't have a guy – we don't have an eye in the sky. So Yeah, because who would be in the sky? Matt Barnes? It's going to be one of those guys. Matt Barnes, uh, the special teams coordinator, probably helps out with identifying stuff up there. You don't have one of the three main guys up in the box. And I'm going to tell you, Larry Johnson is not moving up there. So it's going to be a conversation. Is Coombs no. going up there or is it Al Washington? I think he should. And I think it's Coombs. I, first of all, because I think Coombs always should have been up there. I, I think a coordinator's job is in the booth. It is. And Coombs, for as much as he's he has flaws, he's obviously smart and he's seen a lot because he coached at the at, at multiple levels. He's coached high school, college, and most recently in the NFL. So even if he doesn't know when to call certain plays and like things like that and his hands shouldn't be on everything, he should have he should be able to tell what's going on and he always should have been in the box. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think the box is a lot of coaches don't like being up there, but I know if I was responsible for identifying coverages, if I was responsible for doing that, I can't do that on the field. You can't mm-hmm. do that with a and, field and, view. And and, you're, and the hardest part about it is you're relying on someone else to – you're relying on someone else to see it, call it to you fast enough, call it to you accurately, and then you have to call it based on what they're seeing instead of just trusting your eyes. And that just, it just throws so many, it's like playing a game of telephone. It is. I mean, it's 100% what it is. And if they can't recognize it fast enough, you just lost your leverage because you still need time to think of the right call. And then you have to relay that to the signal. Like there's just so much that's going on. It doesn't make sense for, and honestly, like Ryan, like a true offense, if we had a true offensive coordinator, which Ryan Day calls the plays, but if we had a true offensive coordinator, they should be in the box. Well, too. Kevin Wilson is in the box. Well, yeah, he is the offensive. But so coordinator. that's but why like, it works because there's that synergy there. Because Kevin Wilson, he yeah. trusts him, and he could look down and be like, "Hey, this is what I'm getting," and Ryan Day could then think from that. Yeah, but that that, that also that's right. That makes your there's point. a lot of synergy. The three there. Most, Kevin Wilson is probably the second most experienced guy. So Ryan Day can trust him in the box. You don't have an experienced guy in the box on defense. So even if, even if Coombs was going to be on the field, which I don't think he should be, there's not a Kevin Wilson on the defense who you trust enough to be able to relay everything accurately. So you can make that decision. And I I think I, I, I haven't even really thought about much into this, but 
Like Larry Johnson was on the staff at the same time. He got there around the same time as Coombs did, you know. Uh they coached together as position coaches. And, you know, Larry Johnson, I don't know how much consideration was given for him to get a promotion to that defensive coordinator job or not. And I'm not saying there's infighting there or anything like that or bad blood. But, you know, when you're a guy in your profession and you feel like you're better than someone, there is going to be some semblance of of not disdain, but you know what I'm talking about. There's going to be some yeah. enviousness. And – you know, Whoa. I do think Larry Johnson probably is like, hey, I think I'm a better coach than Kerry Coombs. I am not going up to the booth. Uh, and this is where egos need to be thrown out the window because I know Al Washington's the youngest guy, and part of the reason he wanted to leave was because Kerry Coombs didn't listen to him enough. Like, that is not stuff you yeah. should be hearing from a coaching staff that get gets paid mm-hmm. this much money. You have jobs. Yeah. You do the jobs. Kerry Coombs' job isn't to make decisions for everybody. His job is to facilitate the information from those guys and implement it into the game plan. And there's just yeah. no synergy on that side. And that's why on the offense, you see so much because Hartline, Wilson, uh, Day, Alfred, they're all on the same page all the time. Yeah. I, the one thing I will push back on just a little bit is I think, and this is not always true, as we see with Sam Pittman in Arkansas, a lot of times offensive line and defensive line coaches don't want to move up because it takes a very special person to do that job and they really like what they do. Like you can't, and like Larry Johnson would have been a head coach or, or cause honestly where Larry Johnson was at in his career, he didn't have to take a lateral. He took a lateral move from Penn state to Ohio state. He could have left Penn state to be a head coach or something like that. I genuinely don't think he wants to, he's a defensive line savant. And I think that's where he wants to be. So I don't, I'm not saying that there's not some, there's not some ego and things like that. I just think that's what Larry Johnson wants because you're not going to tell Larry Johnson no, which is also why he got promoted to associate head coach because that's a title you could give him while letting him stay on the defensive line. That's a way to make more money. And when Ryan Day was out or whoever was out, he like he like he was the head coach. He didn't call the plays, but like he made the decisions and stuff because he is the most respected guy on that staff. Yeah. I just don't think he wants to be a DC and it's hard for defensive line and offensive line guys. This part's a little unfair, but it's hard for them to get some of that clout and some of that other kind of stuff to get those positions just because sometimes the people who are on the back end don't even understand what they do. Yeah. So I think, I, I, I don't know that like he wants to be the DC, which is also why I'm not predicting him to call plays because I just think, yeah, I don't, I don't think, think he's going to call plays be. either. I, I think he, he wants he wants to be a defensive line savant, and that's what he does best. And he's yeah. seventy years old and still does it because he wants to, not because he's incapable. And, and the point, yeah, the more over point I was making was just the fact that there's at least a level of respect there because you can't not respect Larry Johnson at this point. He's no, proven everything he's, he needs to. And at the end, other end of it, like Al Washington, you know, he he deserves his voice to be heard in the staff room, you know. Because why is he there? Yeah, if he if you're not going to listen to him, why is he there? And then Coombs just I, – I think the difference is there – and it's a problem we see on the field. It's the same problem we see on the field is everyone's doing their own thing. And mm-hmm. that just doesn't work. There's no cohesion. And even if he just did everything Kerry Coombs wanted or if he did everything Al Washington wanted or he did everything Larry Johnson wanted, I'd just tell you the defense would be better. Because there's yeah. one voice. But that's not going to happen. So – it's all about them coming together 
and doing everything they can. But we got to move on to the game this week. But first, a word from our sponsors. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you guys are enjoying the show. Let's get into the game this week. Uh, we got the Tulsa report. Uh, the Golden Hurricanes are here. Uh, we're going to get into Tulsa a little bit. Uh, there's not really too much to talk about with them. They're a team from Tulsa, Oklahoma, in the American Athletic Conference. In the American Athletic Conference, they're oh and they're one and one. They barely beat UC Davis. They almost beat Oklahoma State. Uh, they can't run the ball. They can't pass the ball. Uh, their defense is okay, though. Uh, I'd say their defense has played pretty well throughout the first two games. And I, I'm pulling up the stats. Didn't they? Didn't they lose to UC Davis? Did they lose to Aren't UC they Davis? they 0-2? Shoot, man. Uh, yeah, I think they're I think they're 0-2. Let's find out. Actually, I'm I'm almost positive they're 0-2. I thought they came back and won that game, but you know, I I I go I I leave games in the middle. No, of they, yeah, they lost. So they're 0-2. They All right, correction there. Uh, apologies. So it shows the research I did on Tulsa uh, coming into this because I've just been so focused on what was wrong last week. So I hope Ohio State's really taking Tulsa serious here because this would be an embarrassing second loss. Uh, they are a very bad football team as at this yeah, point right now. To put it. Uh, they haven't thrown a touchdown pass this season in two games. Uh, not even uh, – Really, they, they've averaged like 400 yards. They've combined for 400-yard passing in their first two games. They have not ran for over 100 yards, I believe, and that is not good at all. So when you look at the stats, offensively, they're terrible. Uh, their defense has kept them in both games. And I can't even go on a record and say that their defense is good uh, because it's not. They gave up 400 yards to UC Davis, and – you know, Oklahoma State's replacing a lot of people this year, so I can't even really confidently say that they're a good barometer for this Tulsa team because I don't think Oklahoma State's going to finish in the top half of the Big 12. So uh, this team plays hard. Uh, I think their coach does a good job of getting them to do that. But I think overall, Ohio State, this is a game where they could really grow and develop. And that's kind of what we're going to get into here. This is going to be kind of, you know, I could give you players to watch. I can give you receivers to look for. I could tell you their quarterback is okay. But overall, they don't have their best defensive player from last year. He left for the draft. They don't have a lot of the same players that they did on that side of the ball. And this is just an opportunity for Ohio State to show up and show out uh, on both sides of the ball. I mean, it's not going to be a game. It's not. Oh. It's, a, it's just not. So it, it's hard to talk about it, but this happens with everyone. Everyone has their bye week. Uh, uh, the Big Ten had a bye game week for 12 of the 14 teams last week, and this is Ohio State's. This is really a game where you want to see certain things. Yeah. You want to see execution. Like This is really a game where you want to see if C.J. Stroud gets five drives, he gets five touchdowns, and then he goes and sits down. 
Yeah. Like that's really what you're looking for in this game. You want to see not the final score because you're going to play some young guys, but you want to see if the starting defense gets five drives, they get no points or they hold them to a field goal. And the field goal comes if like this like really bad execution or like yeah. they get really good field position, something like that. Like you want to see the offense being run to perfection, the defense being run to perfection, and players leaving the game without injury. Yeah, and I think one thing we talked about this earlier already. The you want to see execution. You don't want to see these big plays given up. You want to see uh, effort. Effort number one, and. Like you said, you want to see perfection from both sides because there's no reason this Tulsa team has no business scoring a touchdown against our starters. This Tulsa team has no business slowing down our offense and our wide receivers. I want to see Ohio State score five different types of drives. You know, I want to see them hammer the running game. I want to see them hammer uh, the – I want to see them throw the ball deep. I want to see them connect on some of these deep passes they've been missing on. I want to see – a lot of the stuff that hasn't gone right for them against the two better teams they've played go right for them this week. Yeah, and I want to see, like, we we talk about all the rotations on defense. I want to see the young wide receivers. Yeah. Like, I like here's, like, it's Ohio State, and, and um, I get it within reason. Like, it's really hard to take the two best wide receivers in the country off the Especially field. Especially with a second um, or first-year starter. Yeah, but it's like I want to see Julian Fleming. I want to see um, Emeka Mbuka. I want to see uh, Jaden Ballard. Like, I just want to see him a little bit. And, like, they don't have to have catches, but I want to see them get open in some coverage. Like, this is really a learning game for Ohio State. Um, and it would have been this It would have been this way with a win against Oregon. Like, yeah. it, the game was always going to be that way. I, I don't think anyone sat down and expected us to be like, oh, Tulsa this and, like, you know, this whole big game plan. But – now I want to see it even more than before because they did lose. Yeah, and you know, I, I kind of want to like look at this as one thing. Like, you know, not all all losses suck, but I think it was time for Ohio State to lose a football game in the regular season. You know, I you could kind of see that there is this aura the team felt they had around them that they were invincible. And you've known this. I mean, you've seen state championship football programs in high school. You've seen it happen with teams in college you know where they aren't the same group of guys anymore that set this like high standard like justin fields isn't walking through that door you know on the defensive side of the ball you don't have uh, a chase young over there you don't have a jeff akuda you need these guys to step up and be that and an underrated thing is these guys did that because they did the work and you're not just going to come out at ohio state and be better than everybody and i think it was a humbling experience that was needed and I think for the coaching staff, for the players, and this is why you schedule teams like Tulsa after games against Oregon. Because if you lose, it's a great opportunity to get a lot of confidence back. It's a great opportunity to fix your mistakes. It's a great opportunity for players to go out and make plays. And you get it's two of the them. Reason you don't, it's the reason you don't play every game against Alabama. Like It's the reason you don't play every game against Clemson. You need these games. And we talked about it before, like, no, we didn't expect Ohio State to lose, but we like we told you the first two games were hard. Yeah. Like it's not typical. They didn't get a game. And so the like as much as we talk about the loss, for me, I'm not mad that they lost. I'm mad at how they, how lost. they lost. Cause I didn't expect that. 
But, like, it's a young team. It's two hard games. Like, it would have been great to have Minnesota, Tulsa, then Oregon. But you didn't get it. So now they, you go back to square one and you get it fixed against Tulsa. And, and unfortunately for Tulsa, they have to take the brunt. Like, they're going to – they're going to get all the bad energy against Oregon. Yeah. Like, I apologize, Tulsa. And, you know, if Ohio State ended up surviving that game, we're not having these tough conversations about Kerry Coombs and the defensive staff. Oh, no, I, I, I mean, we'd have <laughs> we'd bad. have conversations, but I think we'd be like, hey, they came up big on like three series. Like, so say, you know, on those three consecutive stops they had in the fourth quarter, we'd be like, look at the defense has potential. They gave oh, the offense a chance to win. Let's build on that. But we're not because we saw the other 95 percent and we're not all like, oh, my God, would it come back when we saw us lose? What? I think to your point, the loss is the best thing that happened for yeah. us. Then. <laughs> like, like if you're looking at if you're looking at it like that, I think the loss was necessary because sometimes you do need that to like shock the system and be like, "Hey, this is it's, it's not a cakewalk." Like, not everything's coming easy, and that, I mean, it sucks for Tulsa because I, I mean, Ryan Day was pretty pissed, man. <laughs> Ryan Day's mad, and I want to see. We've never seen Ryan Day on a warpath. Actually, we saw it once when he played Clemson. Ryan Day was on a warpath that yeah, game, and and that was I, that was one of the most beautiful Ohio State games I've ever and seen. And they absolutely like, it kicked perfect. the shit out of them. And this is not Clemson. This is Tulsa. Yeah. So. So it, it's gonna I'm be. I'm sorry. It, it's gonna be. It, it. So this is this is where we need to kind of level back. It should be that way. It should be a blowout. It should be an obliteration. It should never, ever be. There should not be a slow point in this game after that loss. And this is one of those games where everyone's like, oh, let's hope we see some backups. No, this is going to be a game where starters play really late into it as a punishment. I don't think think the backups deserve to play. No, and it's not even that. I think if you're going to say these guys are the starters and after those two pitiful performances on the defense, I don't want to see these guys coming out in the fourth quarter because they need to play that. Because that's valid. Because I, it, I think you, it's a punishment. It is like you have not yeah. earned the respect to get taken out of a game. You, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy you said that because everyone looks at like taking your foot off the gas and taking out players as respect for the other team. But coaches don't care about the other team. You do it because the players don't need to play because they've earned the right to play, and you don't want them to get injured on stupid plays. The only person I want taken out this game. Actually, there's two people I, I want. I don't know how, and I, I want Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson out in the second half of Ohio yeah, State's winning. Yeah, because I want I want to see young players. Those are the only two who I'm have torn, the respect for it. I'm torn about CJ Stroud because I think he's played good enough. But my biggest thing is I just don't want him to get injured. Yeah. quarterback's the only one where you take a player out because you don't want him to get injured. So as much as I think CJ Stroud needs to play, if we're up like five touchdowns at half. Let him get the experience in practice. Yeah, like just well, you, you probably give him the, the whole third one. quarter, and then you just rotate McCord, you rotate Miller, and you kind of say like, "Oh yeah, we've got a backup battle too," because you don't, I you just don't want any drama. You don't want him, McCord to play a full yeah. half and be like, "Yo, this guy's pretty good too." You, Ryan Day's smarter than that; he won't do that. Yeah, and it, it's kind of it's gamesmanship, it's it's roster management stuff we talked about all off season. It's not easy stuff. Uh, but also, you know, you want to light a fire under C.J. Stroud. You let Kyle McCord get out there and go. So, like, hey, I mean, this is why we don't get paid millions of dollars. Yeah. So, but I promise, if I got paid millions of dollars, they would know they would they would do better. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Honestly, I don't even need millions. Just like double my current salary and like I'm Bro, gonna, I get double my current salary and like give me a down payment for a house and I will give you sixty I'll give you seventy hours a week. You could give me the same salary. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I see. My, only, my only issue I'll with that it. is I know what the pocketbooks are. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. let's make my contract extremely incentive based. I'd be I'd be okay with that. You know, you're gambling on a guy without experience. I'm, I'll take the incentives and I'll prove everybody that I, in fact, could be a defensive you, coordinator or an offense coordinator. You give me you give me two weeks. The linebackers would look like the best linebackers in the country. Yeah, sorry, Kerry. Uh, we're gonna co DC this thing and. <laughs> Brian Day is going to save the university millions of dollars. Yeah, and honestly, I don't even care about saving the university money. He can pocket all the extra yeah. money. Like, he double get the my bonus. salary and that extra million dollars that you're giving Kerry Coombs can go straight to Ryan Day's paycheck. You know, because we can lose to Alabama 49-21 and be way cheaper right. doing it. Like, come on now. Like, so I, I'll get you right. I, I just get it. I mean, uh, I, I, I don't know why more teams don't do that. No, I'm just kidding. I totally did. But, <laughs> but yeah, I guess that takes us in. The biggest storylines for the Buckeyes heading into the game are exactly what we need to talk about here because that's where it is. And I, I kind of want to start with this is kind of a tough situation. Josh Proctor broke his leg. Like, we talked about that on the instant recap. We're like, this didn't go well. Like, he came off in an air cast. He broke his leg. He broke something. It was his ankle, his leg. Regardless of what it was, he's out for an extended period of time. Who's going to play safety? It's not Bryson Shaw. So one thing that interested me was Ryan Watts, especially because Ryan Watts played safety in high yeah. school and actually was a safety. That was a really good that is safety. One, that is one thing that intrigues me about Ohio State is Ohio State plays – well, Ohio State recruits a lot of people for athletes and then puts them in positions they want to put them in. Like uh, uh, Ryan Burke, Denzel Burke – mainly played wide receiver in high school because he was just so dominant that he didn't get a lot of corner snaps. And they looked and was like, no, he can be a corner. Obviously it worked. That means like we have traditional safeties on this team, even if they weren't recruited to play safety. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if Court Williams is healthy, but Court Williams and Ryan Watts is who I'd like to see back there. Yeah, and you know, like we saw that three or four defensive players, young guys, just got their black stripes removed. So – you know, take a look at that a little bit more. Um, Andre Turrentine's one of them. Uh, Johnson Dunn's one of them. Uh, he got his removed way earlier, but, you know, he's a guy you can look right. at as someone who should get some opportunity. And, you know, we have a lot of corners. You know, Cam Brown played. You know, the limping was a little worrisome, but I think he'll continue to get better. Uh, Denzel Burke, he's the number one corner. I don't care what anyone says. He's CB1 at this point. Uh, you know, if seven banks, he said, they said he's healthy enough to play this week. Uh, interesting comment there. He adds a third there's depth there and Lejon Cavazos hasn't been completely awful. So, you know, you've got four there. So where's Ryan Watts fit into that? I don't know. So you make him a safety, you know, everyone was saying Lathan Ransom, but you and I watched a lot of tape on Lathan Ransom. Uh, did not look great. Did not look confident. Mm -hmm. uh, I, and, I, uh, I don't want to take him away from his current role because I think he fits well there. I just think he needs to get a little better at it. Yeah. And he's young. He's young too. Like, it's, I, I think some of it, and that's why I'm so big on the coaching, because we've seen Lathan Ransom make plays. Yeah. 
I, I just don't think he's in the best position. And the other thing is, like, if he's not ready yet, he's not ready yet. Yeah. That's not on him. So I, I think he's good, and I think he's athletic and talented enough that he can thrive there. And, like, like next year in two years. So, um, yeah, I think Ryan Watts, I think um, Court Williams, or maybe you said his name. I don't really follow recruiting that much. Which was it, Jansen Dunn? Who is the true safety that they recruited? That's a freshman right Turrentine, now. Turrentine, Andre Turrentine. He's the Tennessee kid. I don't even know that name. Yeah, he was uh, he was a late ad <laughs> too. He was like a four star guy. So he's good player. Uh, okay. He was one of the guys who got his black stripe removed. Uh, Ty Lake Williams was as well. So there's a good group of guys who did. So uh, that's good news. Uh, we got we got bodies. Uh, the only thing is, I, I've seen what Bryson Shaw can do. Uh, I've seen what Josh Proctor was capable of before his injury, uh, before his two injuries, actually. So he's just had a rough year. Yeah. Uh, and I just know that there's stuff Ryan Watts can do. There's stuff that, you know, some of these younger guys can probably do that Bryson Shaw is just not capable of. Mm-hmm. And And the other thing is safety is one of the hardest jobs in the defense. But safety is a job that a lot of people can do if there's two conditions. One, the defense is simple. And two, you help the safety out. Yeah. You help the safety out by funneling everything to them. so they don't have to make open field tackles. And if they can do that, not that anyone can say, play safety. I don't want to disrespect the position. It's not easy. But – more people can play off of just being an athlete. Like, a safety is a position that, like, you don't have to be a super athlete. Yeah, it's why. But if you are a good athlete and they make it easier for you, you can play just on the fact that you're fast and can tackle. So there's a lot of people they can put there. They just have to simplify the defense enough that they're not putting them out to, like, they're not putting them out to drive. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think I, I think there's this, like, a lot of things we can do. And, you know, if you really do trust Bryson Shaw, he should not be the deep man. He should not be in man-to-man coverage. It's stuff where that's where you have to start thinking about running more coverages than just cover one and cover three. You got to start thinking like, maybe we could put this guy in a quarters look. Maybe we could put this guy in a too high look. But Ohio State doesn't do that uh, because it's, it no. would be too easy. Uh, so there, there's a lot of complexities there, and I, I think the safety position's interesting, but you lose one of your best players for probably the season. It's not great. So uh, the next thing I want to see this game is a more balanced offensive attack. I don't want to see a 50-throw game ever again because it feels like every time <laughs> we throw the ball that many times, the game is just not great for us. So I want to see like 30 at most 35 passes and 35 runs uh, 70 plays. You know, I'd be surprised if we got to that number of total plays this week, but I, I think if anything, it needs to be a 50 50 split and that will open up the passing game. That'll open up the running game, uh, be less predictable on second and eight, be less predictable on third and two. You know, those are types of things that I think we'll see from Ryan day. And I think those are improvements we see. And then mm-hmm. I think that'll help with Stroud improving on the little things as well. It's just kind of actually running an offense, not just kind of being put back there and playing seven on seven. Yeah. Especially because like when you make 50 passes, it's easy to miss some throws. Yeah. If you, if you cut down on 20, there's not as many throws to miss. Yeah. And it, it really just keeps the defense like, cause you, you know, like on third down, they have 
percentages of what Ohio State likes to do. So when you are showing that you're not going to follow those percentages, you know, they're going like to start keying on the pass a little bit more. They're going to start keying on this specific type of run play a little bit more. So it, it's one of those things where a balanced offensive attack, like I want to see us be confident in running the ball on third and six. Yeah. And that that's part, it goes back to the physicality conversation we had. But yeah, and you know, God, I threw a name on there. We didn't talk about him. Marcus Hooker, if he gets out of the doghouse, I wouldn't mind giving him a second chance. I mean, you got to at least see. He's got to be better than Bryson Schultz. I just pulled up the show plan and I'm like, we got to see. Oh, man. Uh, But yeah, and then uh, offensively, like, what do you want to see from Ohio State this week? Um, I want to see a commitment to the running game. I want to see... Um, more than inside zone. I really just want to, I want to see some outside running plays. Yeah, outside like, running plays. Our running backs are so fast. Like some counter, I some see, split zone, just more complexity to it. Some more layers. Yeah, I, that yeah, that exact. That's it. Like, I want to see layers in the run game. Um, I want to see offensive, and really that's it. I think I've seen every oh. Layers in the run game and domination by the offensive line know, in the run offensive game. Offensive linemen love to get moving. When you call a play where they get a pull, they start jittering, oh man. They love to get some speed going. Before and we have that. athletes. You're telling me Thayer Mumford on a pull can't come on. Yeah. So I want to see more. on a pull, on a kick out. Like, we want to see yeah, this like, stuff. I want to see some trap runs. We never see that. And Ryan Day has called him before. Uh, it was a big scheme play when Mike Weber was there. And – I, I think we have even more. We have more talented running backs than Mike Weber. No offense to him, that can really take advantage of that. And I think there are six or seven run plays that Ryan Day likes to run, and we usually only see two or three of them. And I, yeah, and that's kind of where I want to see. I want to see more screen game as well, because with our running backs, if you could get the offensive line moving, because like I said, offensive linemen just love getting out in space. They love getting a shot at a corner. They love that. Like they feel, yeah, yeah. I actually, this is for anyone that, if anyone who listens to this podcast knows me, this is going to be the most surprising thing I've ever said. I don't disagree with you about more screen game. I absolutely hate screens. I, I really do. I just don't believe there's ever a reason to throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage. But after the one screen, well, technically the two screens, because the flare that they ran to. Travion Henderson when that was a touchdown, and then they ran a traditional running back screen against Minnesota, I believe. He's so fast that, like, I just don't see him getting tackled in the backfield yeah. on the screen. So maybe just throw it out there. Just just some – the one thing, like, just, just give it a try. Because Ryan Day the, – the biggest issue with Ryan Day, especially for his quarterbacks, is he doesn't really give easy throws Yeah, and that's an easy Like, comparison. Ryan Day's scheme is so – so – I'll take a couple of screens, but only a couple because I hate screens. Uh, yeah. I just think they're the worst offensive play. And I, Outside of draws. Draws, draws are, are pretty bad unless they're really well timed. That's the only time. And when you, they never are. When you throw the ball 50 <laughs> times, you know what might work? A draw play. <laughs> so I, that's what I, I – I just want to see a little bit more layers added to the offense in general. I think in the passing game I, – I mean, I'm with you. I hate when we throw wide receiver bubble screens. I, I'm not a fan of those. Uh, I, I like because Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, they're fast, but they're not, they don't have the juice to turn those into touchdowns. They're not those guys. They're, they're eight yard gains at best. And then they get out of bounds. They have, 
they have the juice. They don't have the wiggle room. Yeah. Like if it's not per- like if it's not if it's if it's perfectly blocked in a straight line, they'll outrun everyone. But they don't have like they're not like you know Paris Campbell, Curtis Samuel. Yeah. Like they're not like Rondell Moore, where like they're gonna break three tackles within three yards and then make turn it to fifteen. Like they're gonna get the five. And not to talk bad about Chris Olave because I um, I don't like there's really hardly anything bad you can say. But Chris Olave is protecting that money. He came back, but he's still trying to get yeah. to the NFL. He's running, he's running out of bounds more. So he's like not a, he's not fighting he for extra yards on the bubble screens. He's getting three or four and then taking his two, his little two steps out of bounds. He's never been a yak guy either, which is what he came back and wanted to be. So uh a little bit more of. He's just not I mean, not every guy's a yak guy. Garrett Wilson's not a yak yeah. guy. Amike Gruko, he's uh, returning kicks. He's a yak guy. That guy's going to get a lot of yeah. yards after the catch. Chris Chris Olave showed some yak on uh, against Minnesota. I think he has a little he's bit. Got, in him. He's got a little. Not on, not on them bubble screens. Yeah. He's uh, he's going to go out of bounds. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, yeah. So the last thing I kind of want to talk about big storylines because we kind of hit on everything is just kind of the staff turnover, the reshuffling one more time, uh, because that's that's gonna that's gonna be what we see this whole game. So. I just kind of want your final thoughts on what do you think we're going to see not only from the staff at the end of the year, because we're not going to get into that today. I don't want to talk about that stuff. I want to talk about this weekend. What, what are we going to see? What are we going to see? Like, I don't, so, the defensive coordinator is not changing. What do we need to see this Saturday to give you confidence for the rest of the year? So as far as the staff change, because just who Ryan day is, I honestly think we go into the game and don't know what they changed. Like, I, I genuinely think, like, because someone's going to do it, a media member is going to spend, like, 15 minutes only staring at the sideline to figure out who's actually calling yeah. plays and that kind of stuff. I don't think they announce it because Ryan Day's not that type of person. I think they just roll out and it's different. Um, maybe someone gets put up in the booth, which you can instantly see. Maybe, like, those are some kind of changes I think you could see. Um, but as far as scheme-wise – I think um, one is going to be safety, who who plays that safety, who gets in that rotation. And I wonder if we're going to see more too high, which everyone's making it seem like it's such a big change. It's, it's not. not. And it, a lot like, of these guys have already played it. You're, you're in college. You, you've, you've seen too it. high. Every coach like, in middle school is like, yeah, we're going to run too high because everyone's going to try to throw on us. No one ever throws in middle school. Like, come on. But you run it off the top of your you know off it. the top of your head. What are the zones and and too high off the top of your head? You right got now. cover two, cover four, as, and then cover it. two man. But I no one really runs that anymore because cover four pretty much no, does a, that. Yeah, it's like anyone like if I tell you to draw cover two, even if you don't know the names of the zones, yeah. if I tell you to draw cover two right now, you're going to put everyone in the right spot because it's, it's not it's hard. not hard. They can run it, and then the key is is just forcing everything into the safeties. And it's yeah. it's not it's not hard. Like we I just we just installed we just installed it right here on the show. <laughs> so like I don't want anyone to hear like oh my god. And even even if they just go with like lining up with two high safeties, I don't care if they do it. I just want to see the look. I want them to see like yeah. I want the quarterback to take that extra second, being like, okay, that's not right. Ohio State doesn't do I that. Like going to halftime, like, wait, are they actually playing too high or not? Um, the last thing I want to see is I want to see, which we kind of touched on it, I want to see uh, linebackers and, and defensive linemen in the backfield. I want to see tackles for loss. I want to see pressures. At this point, I don't even care about sack numbers. 
I just want the quarterback running for like I just don't want the the quarterback to feel comfortable. Yeah. If I see if I see not Brian Shaw at safety or not a lot of Brian Shaw at safety, if I see pressure on the quarterback and tackles for a loss, and if I see players playing fast and, and look and playing loose. I will be happy because again, it's Tulsa. So we don't know if it actually works, but like you have four weeks to put in this defense, really five because you get a bye week before the, yeah. before Indiana. So really six because Indiana's offense doesn't look that good right now. So you get, you get five or six weeks to really put this in before it matters. Yeah. And I, I, need to see it. I said this, I, need to see I said, it. if you go through these four weeks and then the bye week and then you give up 500 yards of offense to Indiana, this staff should be fired on the spot. Immediately. Immediately. Because I don't care about, I don't care about enough people to coach yeah, At that point, let that Ryan Day or Brian Hartline call the defense because it can't be worse. <laughs> no. Fine. And that that's kinda I that's kinda where I, I come with my point. I just want to see this game be well coached and well played. Like at the end of the day. Like cause like we said, this there's probably not gonna be a firing in season. There's probably not. Uh, they're gonna get through it. And then at the end of the day, it's gonna be this is a look in the mirror game. We're gonna know everything we need to know about Ohio State with how much intensity they come out with. So yeah, and then yeah. Lastly, uh, I mean, we already talked about it, expectations for the game. But what do you think the final score is? Because we got to do this every week. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do I'm trying to do the math of like where the like how the numbers so fifty-nine to six. All right, I don't have as much faith in the defense here. I'm going to go with like 63 to 13. I don't have faith in the defense. I just think Toss's offense is that bad. Yeah, honestly. If I had faith in the defense, I wouldn't have given them a six. I put put the summiting circle on the internet. Uh, I'm hoping for a shutout, but I don't have the faith. Uh, No. (laughs) And if they do play well, I'll call Wham. I'll call George Michael. We got to have faith, but I don't right now. I don't. So, uh, going out on a positive note, though, Ohio State should bounce back and get in the win column this week. And if we're, and I'm going to make a bold prediction here, uh, they're going to win this game. And if they don't, hey, you're really, you're really going out on a limb there. Are you sure you want to say if that? they don't, that's on me. I'm going to take 100. If Ohio State loses this game, I will take 100 percent of the blame. You guys can come. You guys can come to my house and do like vandalize it. It's an apartment I rent. That's how confident I am. So. Uh, Ohio State's going to get back in the win column. And if they don't, this is the worst loss in Michigan to Appalachian State. Uh, well, I'm going to just say this. If they don't, you won't hear me on this podcast anymore. <laughs> because I, like, I have enough going on in my life. I'm not about to sit here and talk about a team losing to Tulsa. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I would Buck off is going to be an NFL podcast. Yeah. We're, we're, we're transitioning. We're just going to talk about the Buckeyes in the NFL for weeks. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, I think that's all I got for today. Uh, let's just see some improvement this week, Ohio State. That's my final thought here. Jordan, you got anything else you want to add before we close it out? Uh, my final thought is you can fire a coach midseason. USC did it. Navy did it. And someone else did it. So while I tried to be positive, I am still on the fire carry Coons wave. And if we do not see the changes, 
I think Ryan Day just needs to pull the trigger. Yeah. It, and get it over. We've seen what happens when teams wait. We've seen it. It's not good. So Kerry Coombs is coaching for his life. They're on the way. Whatever position, whatever, wherever he's at, press box on the field, calling plays, not on the calling field. He needs to be coaching for his life this week and next week. Because if he is not getting it done, he should not be the DC for Indiana. And at the and not be the DC for Penn State. At the end of the year, there's gonna be a mutual parting, and Kerry Coombs is gonna find a nice little comfortable job in the NFL in Jacksonville in a retirement community. <laughs> so that's it. That's it for the day. Uh I, I think uh I think we had a good show. I think it was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed spending time with us again. Uh so you guys can find me at Chris Rennie CFB on Twitter, and you can find the show at Buck Off Pond. We're always talking Ohio State and all things college football on both of those. And yeah, make sure you guys are checking out our content. I'm writing a film review, a film preview. I have a CJ Stroud film breakdown coming out this week as well. Jordan, where can we find you on the internet and in the land grant Holy Land feeds? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at JordanW330. I am also writing one or two articles, depending on if I decide to just combine them or separate them, uh, on the defense, uh, calling it Defense 101. Um, also, you can find me on I-70 Football Show and the recap on Friday. Hopefully, the recap is a joyous recap. Um, and yeah, go Bucks. That's me. Follow me. Interact with me, and uh, hopefully you hopefully you like the articles coming out because I'm putting a lot of work into them. Yeah, and all right, you guys can check out the podcast, the I seventy podcast. No Dante this week, so or last week, so it was all his fault. That's what you said. That's what you told me to say. Uh, yeah. It was all my fault too because I came into that game really confident. Uh, it, it was a collective effort, and then yeah, lastly, uh, make sure you guys listen to this recap pod. We've been getting a lot of positive feedback on that, so. Keep it coming. We love to get our egos inflated. It's why we do this job. Uh, and as always, thanks for coming. Go Bucks. Go Bucks.